is the Mulberry Lane Show. The Mulberry Lane Show. Exclusive interviews, fun, music, celebrities. Your weekend getaway. Now, here's Mulberry Lane, Rachel, Bo, and Ellie Cat. Be a part of the family. Hey, it's Allie, and I'm here with your radio sisters, Rachel and Bo. And guys, it's time for the Mulberry Lane Show. Yeah. <laughs> so glad you're here with us. You're in for a lot of variety today. Mm-hmm. A country star, a British actor, and a doctor of nutrition. That's right. And adding you guys to the mix makes it a recipe for an awesome hour. Woo. Sisters, let's get to those guests. Yeah. The Mulberry Lane Show's on. Celebrity story songs. You're going to have it going on. When we tell you who's stopping by now. A first platinum selling country music star, Mark Chestnut. You know Mark from this hit. I don't want to close my eyes. I don't want to fall asleep because I miss you. And I don't want to miss a thing. And this one. It's too hot to fish. And too hot for golf. Cold home. And this one. Mother shot the jukebox last night. Said it played a sad song. It made him cry. Went to his truck and got a 45. Mother shot the jukebox last night. Well, Mark joins your weekend to talk about his latest release, Tradition Lives. And hear how he built his career and never moved to Nashville. Yep, he stayed in his native town of Beaumont, Texas. You're going to find out that Mark does things his own way, and he's got a continuing big career to prove it. Who's next, Rachel? Well, then you're going to meet British actor Harry Lloyd. You guys might know Harry from Game of Thrones. But now his latest project is a brand new series on the Stars Network. It premieres this Sunday night at 7 p.m. Central called Counterpart. Now this show is filled with intrigue and mystery and you're going to get all the details from Harry today. And you guys have met a few Brits on the show before, but this is the first time you're going to hear the word crikey used in an interview. (laughs) Good word. Okay, Allie, who else? Well, then you're going to meet Dr. Michael Greger with the How Not to Die cookbook. Now, he had a best-selling book before this just simply called How Not to Die, and now it's the follow-up cookbook. So you're going to hear about some simple and yummy plant-based recipes that have been proven to help cure heart disease, diabetes, and many other ailments. And after talking to Dr. Greger, you're going to want to start eating healthier. That happened to us. That's right. He's very motivational, and what he says makes a lot of sense. So stay tuned for that a little bit later in the show. So, Allie, I understand you have a Cub Scout Lego story. Yes, I do. My son Luke is in the Cub Scouts, and I took him to a meeting last week, and we had to bring a small car made out of Legos because they were doing balloon-propelled Lego car competitions. And so Luke and I worked on getting this car together. So it was the kind of competition where one person goes at a time, and then they measure how far it goes. So right before Luke and I put the car behind the start line, I accidentally dropped the car. And all these Legos went flying off, all these tiny little pieces. And I was like, oh my gosh, how could I do that? So One of those proud mom moments. Yes, I felt so bad. And so they had some other kids go in front of us. 
while we quickly pieced together this car. And you know, it was basically down to nothing except some wheels and a platform. And we had to somehow get enough Legos on to hold this balloon. So then it came our time to go, and Luke was a little bit upset, all of that. And our car went really far, and get this, it ended up winning. <laughs> I don't think we would have won with the car the way it was before. So the learning lesson was sometimes in life when you think bad things are happening, it might be the one thing you need to end up turning everything around. So remember that today. A mom redemption. You gotta love it when that happens. <laughs> yes, Luke was like, mom! Just like the car, you went from zero to hero in 60 seconds. <laughs> Coming up next, you're gonna hear from a country music hero. Mark Chestnut is here. He's a country music traditionalist. Hear what he's up to and what inspires him right here on the Mulberry Lane Show. Keep it right here with your radio sisters. We'll be right back. celebrities on your radio station back to the mulberry lane show now here's mulberry lane well mark chestnut's 14 number one hits have included the songs too cold at home and the aerosmith cover i don't want to miss a thing and on his latest album the title tradition lives says it all now this texas native is out on the road doing what he loves best and you guys are going to catch up with the latest in the creative life and career of mark chestnut Mark Chestnut, country hits, come hang out where tradition lives. <laughs> Thank you. That's the first time I've ever been sung home. Oh, awesome. Great to have you. Thanks. Good to be here. Okay, so now you're out on tour. You're playing the old hits. You're playing the new album. So what's it like out there these days? Well, I'm real lucky to still be out here. This is my 27th year wow. touring, and it never gets old. It's exciting every day. It's even more exciting now that I have new music to play. And okay. it's not new anymore because the album's been out for a year almost now. But, okay. But it's newer than everything else I've had. <laughs> <Right. laughs> There's 13 songs on here, and I'm really proud of it. It took me almost two years to record this okay. thing because I, I tour so much, and I don't live in Nashville, and so uh -huh. I have to find time to get into the studio. i got to take my time. Yeah, so what time. inspired Tradition Lives? You know, we, we wanted to put a record out. We weren't trying to get on the radio or anything because we all know that my kind of music is um, often overlooked by right. mainstream country radio these uh -huh. days. And I'm fine with that. You know, I had my time at the top of the charts. I wanted to make an album for my fans that's been asking for it. They've been okay. asking for years, when were they going to get new music? Right. And 
they wanted new country music, and I didn't want to come out sounding any different. I said, well, I want to go in the studio. I told my producer, Jimmy Ritchie, uh-huh. that I wanted to go in, take my time, and put out an album for the hardcore chestnut fans, the people that's been following me around for 27 years. Mm-hmm. You know, not on a major label. We didn't have to worry about um, somebody rushing us, right. uh, telling us to hurry up. Giving you a deadline. Yeah. We didn't have anybody telling us, hey, that's too country or that's not radio friendly. We didn't have to worry about that. You could just so, do what you loved. So now, did that affect your performance in the studio? Just knowing that you could take your time and, you know, be as free or as particular as you wanted. It should be a creative atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Not a hurried and nervous, frustrated atmosphere like I experienced in the 90s. I had more fun on this CD than any of them that I've ever done. Okay. Because Jimmy Ritchie said, just take your time, do what you want to do. When you want to come in and record, that's when we'll do it. Yeah, a nice, and relaxed it, pace. Yeah, and I think that it shows on the album. That's the way records were made by Waylon and Willie, you know, back in the 70s when uh-huh. they were after the outlaw breakthrough, you know. They got their creative freedom, and so they got to do anything they wanted to in the studio, and so that's what it felt like. I felt uh-huh. like Waylon in there. Uh, that's <laughs> great. do what I wanted to. Right. Okay, so now when you get in and do your vocals, do you sing top down? Do you, you know, sing the verse three times? How do you approach laying down your vocals? I like to start the song and just sing it all the way through. Okay. And mess ups and all, and just... I've spent 90% of my life on the stage, and so that's where I'm most comfortable. And so I'll sing it through, and if I mess it up, mess up some lyrics, <laughs> get off key, I just keep going. And then okay. go back and we'll do the whole thing again, and then Jimmy will put together the best takes. Right. Kicking it country here on the Mulberry Lane Show with Mark Chestnut talking about his latest release, Tradition Lives. Talk about the bonus track on the album. Yeah, that turned out to be a Merle Haggard tribute. That's not the way it was recorded. Okay. We did that one night at about 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. I don't know. It's just a couple years ago. Okay. We were sitting around just playing and singing like we always do. Jimmy and I get together in, at his house and play and sing whatever we feel like doing. Do you like working that, in the wee hours of the morning? Just That's when I do my best work. Okay. Anyway, yes. I did most of my recording at okay. midnight. Magical time. Yeah, yeah, that's when we're supposed to do it, you know, because uh-huh. I grew up singing in the honky talks, and so that's <laughs> the right time for me. Uh-huh. Nighttime is so, the right time. Yes, yeah, so we, we were um, singing and talking about songs, and I came up with that, and Jimmy had never heard it. So we listened to Merle Haggard's track of it, and Jimmy said, let's go cut that. So Jimmy grabbed a guitar off the wall, tuned it, and he uh, set up the mics. We ran through it a couple times, and... Um, we just did it for us. He played the guitar, I sang it, and we just had a, a cool little souvenir to walk around and play for people. And when we got this album finished, I told Jimmy, I said, hey man, since Haggard just passed away, let's go ahead and put that out. And see, Red Lane had died also. Okay. Not too long ago, and Red is the one who wrote the song. And so mm-hmm. I said, let's put that on there as, as our tribute to Merle Haggard, just as it is. Now, you couldn't do that on a major label. You know, no. fight you. I bet you hear about that song a lot. I bet people love it. Yeah, they do. And I'm so proud that I got the opportunity to do that. I just wish Merle would have heard it. Oh, right. Now, he's been one of your heroes. Merle is, is one of my main heroes. George Jones, of course. I guess my all-time favorite because uh, not only is he um, one of the greatest 
greatest singers ever, but uh, he's also from my hometown. Okay. So we've had a lot in common, and when we toured together, we became friends because of that. And we talked, spent a lot of time together at shows we did. It's amazing how your stories. place of birth bonds you. Yeah, and we talk about Beaumont, Texas, and talk about the old beer joints. Some of them that he played back in the 50s, and I had played also. They were still there in the 80s. We bonded over Beaumont, Texas. So now, speaking of Beaumont, Texas, you never moved to Nashville. But yet you had a huge career. So how did you manage that? And what was the reason behind not moving there? Well, when you're from Texas, it's hard to leave Texas. Okay, yeah. Especially for me. And um, Texas is its own world. And I never moved to Nashville because I could make a living playing music and a good living. I didn't have to move to Nashville and play for $25 a night. Mm -hmm. I could stay in southeast Texas and... I made a dang good living, man. I could pay all my bills and, and had a lot of money left over. Okay. You're making a living just playing in the honky-tonks around Beaumont, Texas without having a day job so I could concentrate on music full-time okay. and just go to Nashville just to meet people. Uh-huh. That, um, but, you know, there is that pressure. People say if you want to be a part of the industry, you got to move here. So how did you fight that? I just didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I love I just it. proved them wrong. Yeah. Stayed there in Beaumont, and then uh, I would go to Nashville, and I'd find some songs, and I would bring them back to Texas, and I would record them and pay for them myself. Okay. uh, I would record in Houston, put them out on my own, try to get a little airplay, and that's exactly what happened with how I got a record deal. Okay. was by doing that, and uh, I recorded Too Cold at Home that I found in Nashville. Bobby Harden played it for me one night, another four o'clock in the morning get talk for okay another magic there session in Nashville. Yeah. I brought it home to Texas he told me to and, and recorded it in Houston and we started getting some play around the Houston area okay. and next thing I knew MCA record people were coming down to Beaumont to see me play awesome that's exciting times yeah gotta take a quick break we'll be right back with more from country hit maker Mark Chestnut here on the Mulberry Lane Show right after this I could stay awake just to hear you breathing Watch you smile while you're sleeping While you're far away and dreaming I could spend my life in this sweet surrender I could stay lost in this moment forever Every moment spent with you is a moment I treasure I don't want to close my eyes I don't want to fall asleep cause I miss you And I don't want to miss a thing Cause even when I dream of you The sweetest dream She'll miss you And I don't want to miss a thing Lying close to you Feeling your heart beating And I'm wondering what you're dreaming Wondering if it's me you're seeing Then I kiss your eyes And thank God we're together 
just wanna stay with you in this moment forever. I don't close my eyes. I don't. Music, celebrities, and everything in between. Back to the Mulberry Lane Show. Now, here's Mulberry Lane. Thanks for keeping it here on the Mulberry Lane Show, brought to you by Braddock Finnegan Dermatology. In the middle of our chat with country music superstar Mark Chestnut, who brought you the hit, Too Cold at Home. He's talking about his latest release, Tradition Lives, and how he managed his career from Texas, never moving to Nashville. Let's get back with Mark right now. So do you think staying in your location, did that give you a, you think a good edge on your career? Kept you grounded? Yeah, it definitely kept me grounded because even though I had a record deal and I had a bunch of hit records and was touring the world and was on TV all the time, I still had the same old friends that I'd had my whole life and they didn't think anything different of me. They'll keep you honest. Yeah, and you know, I had my family. Nobody treated me different and I didn't like the music business people. I didn't get along with them. I had nothing in common with those people. So uh, yeah. I stayed there. I still live there. And, you know, it, it's just, to me, it's home. And they have to almost force me to go to Nashville these days. <laughs> uh-huh. so I, don't, I don't have anything in that common That you need to do Nashville. there. Yeah. I go record, and the people that I record with and hang around with when I'm making music, they're like me. Okay. They're the same kind of people. You and, found um, your people there. Yeah, I don't have anything in common with the... Uh, Never did with, I don't know, music business people. And you never felt the need to change yourself for it either? No, no. I could still go out and play all over the world, and people accept me for who I am. And, and I think it really helped my music. Instead of having to play the game and stay in the click, I did my own thing. Kept it authentic for you? It really does. It, mm-hmm. you know, I still do the same kind of music I started out with. I don't see reason to change. Yeah, and kept it authentic for the fans. Yeah, the fans are really amazed. They're really fascinated all over the world that I live in Texas. When I go overseas, especially over Europe, the first thing fans want to know is how big is my ranch? <laughs> <laughs> so how big is your ranch, Mark? <laughs> I don't have a ranch. I have seven acres. Okay. okay. So now, what do you think of country music today? Uh, I don't like it. I don't really like what they're calling country music. Some of it I hear catches my ear, you know, and I say, wow, you know, that, that's pretty good. That's different. But the majority, when they start sounding like hip-hop records, it turns me off. Especially when they say at country radio that the kind of music I play is out of style and that there's no audience for that. Well, right. Well, you know better than that. I've got a hundred dates on the books that can prove them wrong. Yeah. Exactly. So now, who do you like now? There's a guy named Mo Pitney that I really like a lot. Okay. He's new, and he's not burning up the charts because he's country. Right. And I really like William Michael Morgan. Okay. He's real country. And uh, these guys are standing firm in their traditional music uh-huh. style. And you know, the pendulum and swings. It does, and all yeah. it does, and these guys are young enough to catch it when it swings our way again. I support these guys. And I've told them both to stay true to who they are because that's what George Jones and Merle Haggard and Waylon Jennings told me. They all said, stay true to what you do, and uh, you may not always be on the charts, but you'll always be working. Yeah, Ah, good advice. Great advice. So now, Mark, what's next? Well, I'm uh, keep touring. 
I don't have any plans yet to get back into the studio, unfortunately, because I would really love to get back in as soon as possible. I have a whole new batch of songs I've been co-writing out there with the guys on my bus. Some of the guys in my band are some great writers, so we've been writing a lot of stuff. I probably got enough for two albums wow. right now <laughs> that I feel real good about. A lot of 3 a.m. writing sessions? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Middle of the night, beer <laughs> drinking. <laughs> yep. Those are the best. All right. Well, when the next one is out, you're going to have to come visit us again. Well, I will. I'll always be on the road, and hopefully I can stop in and see you sometime. We that would be great. That. And we will save a place right here for you. I appreciate that. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, hon. Multi-platinum country music singer Mark Chestnut. Be sure to download his latest album, Tradition Lives, and check out his Midwest tour dates at markchestnut.com. When we come back, you're going to meet British actor Harry Lloyd. You might know him from Game of Thrones, and now he's in a new series called Counterpart on the Stars Network. Keep it here with your radio sisters on the Mulberry Lane Show. Here's Mark Chestnut. I see her lying in the window again I drive by, but I can't go in She's got her space, so I've got my pride I can see her silhouette She's at that mirror by her bed She won't sleep a week tonight She ought to miss me by now She ought to pick up that phone For crying out loud This has gone on too long She should have come to her senses And want to work it all out As bad as I'm hurting She ought to miss me by Mulberry Lane Show. Now, here's Mulberry Lane. Well, you may know him as Viserys Targaryen from Game of Thrones, and you may know him from the Academy Award-nominated film, The Theory of Everything. Now, British actor Harry Lloyd is starring in a new Stars drama series, Counterpart, that begins airing this Sunday, 7 p.m. Central on Stars Network. Harry is here to give you the scoop on the new series. Harry Lloyd, Counterpart. A star's drama about to start. Hi, thanks for having me. Great to have you. (laughs) So now you play the role of Peter Quayle in Counterpart. So give us a preview of the show and your character. Okay, so Counterpart is a spy espionage thriller. But instead of us fighting the Russians, we're fighting a parallel world. So, yeah, so about 30 years ago, the world got copied. 
perfectly copied so there's suddenly two realities and in that last 30 years we've become more and more different and divergent and now there's this kind of uneasy kind of cold war peace and lots of spy games happening between the two worlds and J.K. Simmons uh, plays the main two characters in the show, okay. a guy called Howard Silk. So he's in both universes, obviously. So, yeah, everyone, everyone, everyone is in is. both. Okay. Whether, whether you meet the other counterparts right away is, well, we will see. Okay. But we meet both the Howards in the first episode. So Howard Silk on our side is this low-level employee in the office in Berlin where the crossing between the two worlds is, and I'm his boss, and he's a bit of a nobody. Okay. But then other Howard comes across, and he's this top-level spy. And he's uncovered this massive conspiracy, and ultimately, bad things are all going down. Okay, okay and then who are you in the other world? Well, we don't know yet. Oh. We don't, I will not give that away. But on this but you, world, you know. I, am, I know a little bit. Okay, know, you know a little bit. But everything yeah. probably hasn't even been revealed to you yet. Oh, yeah. Oh, crikey. And, yeah, and we're about to go back and start season uh, two in okay. Berlin in a month or so. And I was talking to Justin. Uh, just last week, they got the creator of the show okay. and hearing some of his ideas. Uh, it's very, very exciting. Wow. Is it confusing? Yeah. So, I mean, the most confusing thing is when you're filming it out of sequence and suddenly you're right. in episode eight and you're doing that and then you're back to episode three. Especially if you so, don't yeah. understand the full realm of your character, too. Oh, for sure. You know, but we were very lucky that actually we had all 10 scripts for the first season okay. pretty much at the beginning of the series. Okay. So unlike, I wasn't kind of getting my pages week by week. So okay. I could kind of plot out the whole, uh-huh. what Quail does for the whole first season. At least so what brought you to this role originally? I just read this pilot and I thought, this must be based on some like, novel I've never heard of. This is a brilliant idea. It feels so detailed. And, uh-huh. and actually, it's just a completely original idea to kind of smash these two genres together, the kind of this metaphysical kind of sci-fi parallel world thing with this kind of Cold War spy games of like notes under benches and, you know, double agents and stuff. Cool concept. It works brilliantly. Yeah, really cool, right? Uh-huh. So now people who watch the show, what are they in for? What are they going to get from the series? Well, I think from what I've seen, and I've seen most of the first season now, you get this really cool blend. So partly you're on the edge of your seat because there are chases and there are twists and it's like a real thriller, edge of your seat stuff. And then you get these wonderful scenes, for example, between the two Howards talking about the life that they've shared and the differences they have and how people become different and the choices you've made and these kind of interesting philosophical questions. Probably a lot of philosophical depth. Yeah, you get the best of both worlds, literally. Well, if you just joined us, you're listening to The Mulberry Lane Show. Joining your weekend, British actor Harry Lloyd. So now you're a descendant of Charles Dickens. So do you feel like storytelling is in your DNA or do you feel just like a regular dude? I mean, I feel pretty regular, to be honest. I was definitely into reading from an early age. My parents both worked in like book publishing. Okay. So I think, to be honest, it came more from that. I mean, I can't really say that. I definitely feel that I have a genetic disposition towards storytelling. <laughs> but I do love stories, and I've okay. always loved books. Have you so, been able uh, yeah. to totally trace like how you go back to Charles Dickens? I am his son, son, son's daughter's son. Okay. That is so cool. awesome. So now you've done a lot of work on stage, TV, and film. So do you approach your performances differently for each medium? I think they all kind of start in the same way, okay. and then you kind of take it from there. The one time you get to be in the audience's shoes and actually judge a project is when you read the script for the first time. So I just sit back and read it as a fan and say, did I like reading that? Would I enjoy watching that on stage or on screen? And if you say, yeah, then I look at the character and think, okay, what can I do with this? 
and it's great with plays and you get to you know rehearse it for a month or so uh-huh. and with tv you have to kind of throw it around a bit in your head and do a lot of the rehearsing on the day but ultimately, it's the same kind of process. Same process. Now we have to ask you about your Game of Thrones experience. What was that like? Oh, it was wonderful. It was really great. I mean, I remember filming the first series of it, really not knowing what people were going to make of this. Mm-hmm. I thought this is really fascinating and really detailed and really weird and complicated. But I don't know if people are going to get it because it's so out there. Uh-huh. But I remember saying, I'm so very happy to be in it, surrounded by these very talented people. And I'm thrilled that something so good became so popular. Because yes. they don't always go around. That anymore. actually surprised you, that it became the, the thing it yeah. is. Yeah. Now, is it a bit of the same feeling you have about Counterpart? I have to say, I do get that feeling with this. It's a lovely feeling when you think, you know what, I'm not worried about the numbers or if people are going to get this straight away. Because if there's any justice in the universe, this is going to keep going and people will catch up with it when they need it. And that's a sense of creative freedom, too, when you don't have to worry about, you know, what the numbers are or will it be popular. And also, we're so lucky that Stars commissioned two series straight away from the bat. So even when I accepted the role, I knew I was doing seasons one and two. And we go back to Berlin um, in a couple of weeks. Great. Now, you've been in a couple Doctor Who episodes. What was that like? Oh, I loved being in Doctor Who. You can't I be a British actor without being in Doctor Who, though, right? No, I think it's a rite of passage. <laughs> I think so, too. It, it, <laughs> it was the one time I didn't have to play a human being, so it was very liberating. I bet. All right, well, Harry, it's great catching up with you and hearing about the series, and we'll be watching the Sunday night. Thanks so much, you guys. British actor Harry Lloyd talking about his new series starting this Sunday night, 7 p.m. Central, on the Stars Network. The series is called Counterpart. When we come back, you're going to meet Dr. Michael Greger. He's going to talk about his brand new cookbook called The How Not to Die Cookbook. It's got 100 plus recipes to help prevent and reverse disease. So you've got to hear about this. Stay right here with your radio sisters here on the Mulberry Lane Show. We've got you covered. The Mulberry Lane Show. Now, here's Mulberry Lane. Well, doesn't the title of this cookbook, The How Not to Die Cookbook, totally pique your interest? Well, Dr. Michael Greger follows up his best-selling book, How Not to Die, with this cookbook that features plant-based recipes to help you eat your way to health. Dr. Greger is here to give you the healthy scoop on this brand new cookbook. Welcome, welcome to the show, Dr. Michael Greger. I wish all my interviews were like that. Fantastic. Thanks so much for having me on. Well, it's great to have you on the show. And this is really a fascinating cookbook. The book is all about how plant-based foods help us live longer, healthier lives. So first, give us a little bit of background on the science behind the book. Sure. Well, look, there's only one diet that's ever been proven to reverse heart disease in the majority of patients. That's this plant-based diet. And look, if that's all a plant-based diet can do, reverse the number one killer of men and women, uh, you know, shouldn't that kind of be the default diet to prove another life? And then the fact that it can also be effective in, you know, treating, arresting, and reversing others like uh, high blood pressure and type 2 diabetes uh, would seem to make the case for plant-based eating simply overwhelming. Okay. So now, it's kind of intimidating to think of a plant-based diet because you think it would be very difficult to prepare. You have some simple recipes in the book. Could you share a few of those with us? Yeah. So, I mean, that was important to us to make these simple, you know, no exotic ingredients. We really wanted it 
to be accessible to everyone, and not just kind of fancy meals for entertaining, but really kind of day-to-day things you can include into your daily routine. We centered these recipes around a kind of daily dozen checklist of all the healthiest of healthy foods that encourage people to fit into their daily diet, like berries every day, the healthiest fruits, greens every day, the healthiest vegetables. I encourage people to eat a tablespoon of ground flaxseed every day, a quarter teaspoon of turmeric, you know, the best beverages, the best sweeteners, how much exercise to get every day. Uh, really just hopefully to inspire people to include some of these healthiest of healthy foods. We didn't want just every recipe to be healthy. We wanted every ingredient of every recipe to be healthy. So, you know, how do you make something salty without salt or sweet without sugar? I mean, those are some of the challenges uh-huh. that we were faced coming up with this. So we wanted to do, you know, all-American favorite comfort foods like mac and cheese, lasagna, brownies, onion rings, that kind of thing, but with every single ingredient being health-promoting. So, like, the more dessert you eat, the healthier you are. Like, that's my kind of dessert. Okay. Um, so that's really where this book came about. I mean, it's one thing to tell people to eat dark green leafy vegetables, the healthiest foods on the planet, but another thing to make them delicious. So that's where the cookbook came out. Okay, so now you have a spaghetti recipe that uses, instead of noodles, you're using... Oh, there's a whole bunch of things. So we have a spaghetti squash recipe, for example, that uses spaghetti squash. We have a pesto recipe that actually uses uh, carrot shreds. I think we even have a a zucchini pasta recipe. Now, it's not to say that you can't use some whole wheat pasta, but we're always trying to squeeze as many vegetables into every dish as we possibly can. Mm -hmm. Well, right now you're listening to The Mulberry Lane Show, and we're talking with best-selling author Dr. Michael Greger about his new book, The How Not to Die Cookbook, packed with healthy recipes all from a plant-based diet. Okay, now, you know, you read a lot how good turmeric is for you. So what's an easy way to incorporate turmeric in our diet? Yeah, now turmeric does have kind of a strong flavor, but the recommended daily intake is only a quarter teaspoon a day. So look, worse comes the worst. We're just talking about the plain whole spice, not some extract or anything. Uh, You could actually pack in your own little pills and get your turmeric that way. Or if you have access to an Asian market, you can actually sometimes get fresh turmeric root. And that actually has a much more mild flavor. And so just a half inch of this turmeric root, you can chop it up, put it into any dish. You probably won't even taste it. So that's kind of another way to do it. Or you can also just explore and try to find ways that the turmeric really kind of melds in with other flavors of the dish. And that's why you'll see a surprising array of different dishes having turmeric at it, but done in a way that it doesn't overwhelm the other flavors of the dish. Okay. Now, you also run nutritionfacts.org. So what prompted you to start that? And what kinds of things do you like to share on that site? All my work really started with my grandmother, actually. I was just a kid when the doctor sent my grandma home in a wheelchair to die. She was diagnosed with end-stage heart disease, basically had so many bypass operations. Surgeons basically run out of plumbing, confined a wheelchair, crushing chest pain. Her life was over at age 65. Wow. Uh, but then she heard about this guy, Nathan Pritikin, one of our early lifestyle medicine pineers. And what happened next is actually detailed in Pritikin's biography. talks about Frances Greger, my grandmother. Thanks to a healthy diet, though she was given her medical death sentence at age 65, she was able to live another 31 years till age 96 to continue to enjoy her six grandkids, including me. That's why I went into medicine. That's why I wrote the book, How Not to Die. And that's why 100% of the proceeds I get from my books are all donated to charity. Uh, I just want to do for everyone's family what Pritikin did for my family. So this is really a passionate calling for you that goes beyond medicine because you had the personal experience of your grandmother, someone you loved. Uh Yeah. And, And look, so many of my fellow colleagues, I mean, I can show them this mountain of evidence. 
And there is this tremendous mountain of evidence supporting this kind of diet, but often it's the one patient, you know, that changes their lifestyle, you know, reverses their diabetes or something like that. And that's what often turns them on to lifestyle medicine. It's that personal story. I think we're kind of, it's just something about our makeup that the, those kind of stories can drive us in those directions, although we do have the science backing it up. Which makes it the best of everything, the emotional right. and the scientific. <laughs> that's what I like to put together. Yeah, so that's where nutritionfacts.org came from. It's this free, nonprofit, science based public service with uh, new videos and articles every day on the latest in evidence based nutrition. What a concept. That's awesome. And we want to thank you so much, Dr. Gregor, for joining the show, bringing this book to us. Very fascinating read, and uh, we're going to get healthy in 2018. All right, fantastic. That was Dr. Michael Gregor with the How Not to Die Cookbook. Dr. Gregor, we want to thank you for joining the show today and bringing your awesome tips about how to cook in a way that brings health and joy. And I'll be making a trip to the health food store. And I'm coming over for dinner. (laughs) Okay, sisters, who else do we need to thank? All right. Well, we got to thank Mark Chestnut for stopping by today. Thanks for sharing all about your new music and your original way of making it and how you stuck to your guns and did things your own way. We love that kind of thinking, Mark. Way to do it. And finally, a big cheers to Harry Lloyd. Loved hearing about your brand new series, Counterpart. Make sure you guys check it out this Sunday night, 7 p.m. Central on the Stars Network. And crikey, it was great having you on the show, Harry. I have a feeling I'm going to hear Rachel say that word quite a bit these days. Yes, but I don't have quite the accent that he does. (laughs) You might recognize Harry from Game of Thrones. Well, guys, we want to remind you to meet us here same time, same place next weekend. We'll be right here waiting for you. Yes, in a preview of our show next week, you're going to meet Def Leppard's Phil Collin. He's going to be joining you right here for some rock and roll talk and some rock and roll hair. Uh, Rachel, I think he cut all of this hair off, though. Okay, so I guess I'll have to bring the rock and roll hair. That's right. (laughs) We'll see you guys next weekend. Bo, stay happy and stay blessed. Allie, don't forget to be awesome. Rachel, crikey, that's a wrap.